Hello. <clears throat> Hello and welcome to the Wheel of Crime podcast. This podcast is ran by two ladies who play games, mumble profanities, and laugh way too often. Also, this podcast does cover topics of sensitive nature and as such, listener discretion is advised. episode of 2021 where the fuck did this year go my name's jen by the way (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah i'm emily i suppose uh good question i don't know man like i i was thinking about this just with the whole like you know pandemonium express whatever that we had to deal with uh just over since what 2019 2020 and i feel like the year 2020 went by not like quickly it felt like it took ages just with everything that was going on whereas 2021 i blink and it's gone and i still feel like i haven't really done anything well not like you even really can just with you know us where we live in canada still under lockdowns and stuff like that but it's just very strange very very strange to look back on the year and think about kind of you know what i've done or what's been going on and all that I know. It's felt like a very uh, quick year. I think I've said that before, but it truly, like, I don't think I did, like, half the things that I wanted to accomplish this year, which kind of sucks. And I felt that way about 2022 because it just kind of felt like a write-off year. And I think 2021 just followed suit. Um, so I'm hoping 2022 things can return to semi-normal, at least, so that people can move on with their lives yeah i'm at a point now where like if i hear covid from anybody or anything it just instantly makes me angry (laughs) like i'm just tired or like um the news like for where we live they'll be like oh um currently in the icu across alberta there are 439 people And it's like, okay, I don't care anymore. Like, I don't care about the numbers. I don't care about any of this stuff. What I do care about is how it's impacting, like, my work and my life. And I am over it. I am done. I do not care anymore. It's like, I think we have almost 90% of people with their first vaccination, too. So it's like, okay, most people are vaccinated. Like, I'm done. Let's just, let's get on to the next thing, guys. Come on. I know. It's really hard. I think a lot of people are very burnt out on covid and it's hard because there still is so many people especially in the unvaccinated community that are being like really heavily impacted by it but Mm -hmm. i'm at a similar point where i'm just like i just want to move on with my life like i literally got vaccinated as soon as it was available to Mm me so i kind of it's hard to have sympathy for people who just didn't want to get it Mm -hmm. oh for sure yeah And then it's like what I was saying, too. I feel like uh, when you have over 80% of your population, like, double vaxxed, I'm not really sure what the requirement is to have emergency measures still in place, but who's to say? It is what it is, but hopefully 2022 will bring better news. (laughs) Good cheer. Uh, uh, Yeah, this year went by quickly, but I'm also done with it. She gone. She over. I'm not mourning it. (laughs) 
she dead. She dead. We're over it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, since uh, Christmas is literally, like, here, basically, what have you done <laughs> so far that's, like, been your, like, favorite Christmassy thing? Well, I think looking back in time, one of my favorite Christmassy things was going to the Banff uh, Christmas market with you. We did that in November. <laughs> yes. It was so fun. <laughs> Festive. Very very exciting um yeah like i i know i say this like literally every episode because apparently i can't help myself i'm not a huge christmas person but there are some things i do really like so so that was good and fun and like uh i don't know i'm i'm okay with uh building gingerbread houses i just don't like how they taste so uh i'm just in it for the architecture (laughs) not so much (laughs) and like eating the candy off the house and not the like cookie itself I cannot build a gingerbread house to save my fucking life. They always fall apart. It's always an architectural disaster. Well, um, like, it's not ginger like Ginger men and ginger good... women all over are crushed by their homes built by me. Yep. The massacre. Uh, but you see, I feel like icing's not a good bonding material anyways. If I was gonna just straight up you know, do what I wanted to do with a gingerbread house, I would hot glue them together because I have no intention on eating the gingerbread at all. And I would just make the outside edible. Yeah. I mean, honestly, fair. That's what my grandma used to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, or, I don't know, I'm like, a, there's something about gingerbread and like ginger snaps I don't really like. I think it's the molasses that they use. I I like the taste of gingerbread. But, yeah. I feel like there's other seasonal treats that I like better. Like, I'm a big fan of sugar cookies. Like, those are bomb. Oh, sugar cookies are the bomb. Also, I inhale, I think, like, 500 candy canes every Christmas season. So, so that's, like, the other thing. <laughs> I don't get the peppermint ones, though. I get, like, the, the fruity ones, like, from Walmart, where they're, like, Ooh. strawberry and raspberry and blueberry. Yeah, those suckers. I eat so the many of them. The fruity ones are where it is at they're so much better i get that the other kind's traditional but i'm not in it for tradition i'm in it for flavor (laughs) i'm in it for the flavor um yeah i also eat probably like 20 pounds of those lint balls every year and i mm -hmm. literally am ready to fuck it up with some lint Oh, right. I know. It's like uh, the milk chocolate ones definitely have to be my favorite. They're just so good. And I saw somebody uh, not that long ago, they had um, like a little variety pack of lint. And I was like, oh, I wonder what what they're going to do with this. And they've been putting it like a one in their coffee, like a little flavor bomb so that the chocolate melts and then they get the the little juicy bits on the inside in their coffee. And I was like, oh my God, you're fucking genius. Ooh, that sounds tasty. You are a genius. So now that's my next thing that I have to try. That person's a visionary. Um, definitely will be trying that. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I guess we might as well start with our our wheel of questions here. Um, you will be sharing your story first. So what I did yes. is I prepared two different descriptions. Um, one for Yule and then one for my story. So I'll read the one for my story afterwards. Um, but... I do have one of the questions that it's kind of around my story, but it's fine. It's fine. But you'll be going first. It's good. It's fine. So uh, on that note, should I just start spinning the wheel of questions? Yes, spin away. (laughs) 
how do you feel about celebrating Christmas in a forest? So when I say that, I'm talking about like the stereotypical like um, Christmas movie type thing where, you know, somebody has like a cabin out in the woods and their family goes there and they go and get the Christmas tree from being out in the woods. Like, do you, are you somebody who is like, oh yeah, like that'd be a lot of fun. Or you're, or, or are you on the more on the side of like, oh, that's just like a Christmas fantasy that some people have, not for me. Honestly, never done it. Like, I feel like my family does Christmas the same way, like, every year, aside from the, like, we've gone on trips a few times, but it's always to, like, a warm place because, you know, mm-hmm. where we live here in Canada, it is very cold. Um, so <laughs> thankful for that. But I would honestly love to go to, like, a cabin in, like, Banff or, like, a little mountain town and just, like, have, like, a cozy Christmas one year. I feel like that would be so much fun. And, yeah. I don't know. Never done it. So, I can't confirm if I would like it. But I would definitely want, like, an elevated cabin experience. Because I'm not much of a camper. <laughs> so, there would definitely need to be, like, indoor plumbing and heat and uh, electricity and whatnot. And Wi-Fi for me to be happy. But uh, <laughs> that's where I'm at. You know what? I'm going to hop on the same the same team as you with that one. See, I like that idea. It's not something that I would can be like, "Oh yeah, that's like my ideal Christmas fantasy." But I I wouldn't mind like going out to like a, you know, a woodsy cabin at some point and having like a quiet Christmas with like just your family. Obviously, like you were saying in a place though where there's like indoor plumbing and other things cuz there's nothing quite like taking a a nice cold Christmas morning pee out in the outhouse and trying to have fun with that um (laughs) yeah i wouldn't vibe with that yeah like not fun um but yeah no i think that'd be like super awesome though but like not all the time i don't think i would be able to do that every year not every year but i feel like going to like a cute little mountain chalet could be a fun thing to do to mix it up and i would definitely like to try it at least once yeah yeah no i totally agree with you all right let's spin for our next question do you like the yule log when i'm saying the yule log i'm talking about that like channel that you can tune your tv into where you just watch the christmas yule log burn for like a month like is that something you utilize and what's your opinion on it (laughs) honestly yes um you know I literally had it on, like, the other day, if I'm being completely honest with you. (laughs) I just feel like because I don't have a fireplace, as we discussed in our last episode, it gives me the same cozy, comfy vibes. You know, like, it's there. Mm -hmm. It's the the idea that I enjoy because I don't have a real fireplace, so that's my pretend one. Okay, okay. See, I am actually also on Team Yule Log, simply for the same reason as, like, what you were saying, because I don't have a chimney, like, a proper one either, and so it brings a certain vibe with it. I, honestly, if they had the Yule Log running year-round, I'd be watching that in July. I don't care. I love, I love the whole, like, the, like, thing behind (laughs) it, and also I've noticed that there are uh, certain ones now where they have their normal Christmas Yule log, right? Mm-hmm. And then I've noticed that uh, sometimes what they do is they have like different ty- you can like 
tune in at certain times if you want to watch like the Yule log be like a different kind of log so like it'll be like a spruce log so if you want to watch like uh, or like have on specifically spruce log then you can pick that or like a birch log or all this other stuff so me being the big fat nerd that I am I always put on the birch log the birch Yule log is my jam I love the birch Yule log get me more of them (laughs) That's hilarious. Well, it's like at Halloween, um, they have now, it's like kind of the same idea, but it's a jack-o'-lantern with a candle in it. And that's like the the Yule log, but for Halloween. The Halloween Yule thing. log. Okay, that's adorable. Yeah. I love that. There you go. So me and my partner, John, did, did watch that a little bit and... In the fall, before Halloween, which was fun. But yeah, I don't know. And especially because, like, the Yule Log is usually just something you have on while you're, like, either listening to, like, music or we're just, like, chatting with family and friends. So it's just, like, something nice to have on in the background. Like, oh, I've yeah, never, or, like, like sat down and just, or, like, yeah. watched. <laughs> I like to put it on while I'm working, too, like, just to have it running in the background exactly it's it's yeah. nice it's, it gives the cozy vibes tis the season exactly even emily the grinch likes it so there yeah. you have it folks. i am the biggest grinch of all time and i still like the christmas yule log that tells you it's quality <laughs> it says something about it for sure right okay let's spin for our next question So traditionally, around Christmas time, a lot of fox hunts would take place. Would you ever participate in something like that if it was your family tradition? Or how would you approach that? I think it's hard to say because my family was like never really into hunting. Like my Mm -hmm. dad did fishing a little bit, but I never went with him really. And as a vegetarian... I feel like it would be really hard for me to participate in something like that because sad. Um, Oh, yeah. But I don't know. Like, I don't think. See, the reason I picked this question. If you were raised with that being the norm, it might be different, but I can't see myself participating. I think that, that, well, that's why I want to ask the question is that it's kind of a weird thing where it almost falls into another realm of like, okay, is it less about what your opinions are about it or that it's something that your family does as a tradition as something to bring everybody together, right? So it's kind of like, where do you draw the line between, like, how you feel about things personally versus, like, what your family kind of always has done or whatever the tradition is or, like, the bonding experience that people share with that, you know? Yeah, thankfully, like, the biggest Christmas tradition that me and my family have is, like, going to a movie at the theater every year, so... (laughs) I'm sure the the teenagers working there on Christmas are super happy about that. They're like, oh, great, this family again. Fucking supporting these guys for 20 years. Right? That's funny. Yeah, no, I think uh, I'm kind of in the same boat as you where I personally, thankfully, don't come from that type of family because it's not also something that I don't really... It's not that I don't agree with it. It's just I think that there's a difference between doing something out of necessity and something out of sport. But um, I feel like yeah. if it was a situation where, say, it's a yearly thing that everybody had done or did do together for years and years and years, and it's this, like, giant bonding experience, and you're eating whatever you're hunting and, like, that kind of thing, like, 
like that to me makes sense. Like I could see having involvement in that because it checks out and you're eating what you catch. That would be the important part. But if it was just simply like for the fun of it, I I would not. You wouldn't catch me there. Yeah, I just feel like I could never picture myself doing it, but I was also not raised doing it. So mm-hmm. it's hard to say not having been in those shoes, but I probs not. <laughs> yeah, with the shoes that you have, that's your opinion. With the shoes I have, it would be a hard N-O, my dude. I would be like, y'all are going to jail. <laughs> All these animals Let's are going to find you tofu. in the afterlife. They're coming for you. Yeah, let's go. Let's go hunt some tofu, guys. Come on, love and peace. <laughs> Hunting tofu sounds like the kind of thing that I participate in, simply because it sounds like the easiest fucking thing on the planet. <laughs> Shooting like, an I'll arrow go hide for some a... tofu's if around. I, like all I'm envisioning is like finding a package of tofu in the forest, and I have to like take out a bow and an arrow and just like shoot the tofu. That's like the easiest thing ever. Yeah, I'll go find some tofus around, and you guys can, you know, take your little BB guns and oh gosh, shoot them. Oh my gosh, can we make like, a new... Oh, we got the tofu, and then we'll cook it together. <laughs> can we make, make really a, Can we make, like, a Christmas tradition between, like, uh, like for our, like, friend celebrations around holidays, <laughs> where, like, <laughs> you hide tofu in the forest, and then, like, John and I and, like, Andrew and, like, whoever else have to, like, get weapons and go hunt the tofu. That sounds like the most fun ever. Of course, drinking would have to be involved to some degree because there's no way you'd be doing that shit sober but (laughs) absolutely we can that can be our new tradition (laughs) right we could have like a spiked eggnog and then go hunt the christmas tofu there you go and then i'll make it really tasty for y'all and uh it'll be great (laughs) carve it into a tiny turkey (laughs) that would be super funny I love this idea. Okay, like, write it down. We're doing this, okay? This is the plan now. We're making it happen. We're making it happen. Okay. Um, but yes, that is the end of that question, I guess. And it's time to spin for the next one. So this is our last question. What is your thoughts on Christmas caroling? Are you somebody who looks forward to having somebody come up to your door and sing for money? Or does the whole thought make you want to curl up and die? Okay, well, I'm a little mixed on this one because, as you know, I feel like when I was, like, between, like, grade 9 and grade 12, probably, I had, like, ultra Christmas crazies. Like, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was just hyped for Christmas. I don't know why, but that age specifically, I was just like, Christmas is my everything. Like, wanted to do all the things. Mm -hmm. And so in grade, like, eight or nine, I think I personally organized caroling activities. Um, I'm pretty sure you were a part of one of them. Yeah, I do remember that, actually. (laughs) So, um, yeah. And it was fine. Like, it was kind of, like, a fun thing to do for, like, a group of you know, middle schoolers or whatever. But, like, as an adult now, like, if someone came to my door and was singing, I would be like, you know what? I probably am not answering the door, if I'm being honest. Yeah. See, <clears throat> I personally... <laughs> so, be, again, Emily the Grinch here. Uh, I don't... I don't like Christmas music. Like, at all. <laughs> There's, like, maybe two songs that I like. But I already have 
a complicated relationship with like like real artists singing Christmas music. I do not like the idea of just my neighbors coming up to the door and being like, "Give me a toonie, I will sing you Jingle Bells." If that's if that situation's happening, I'm not home. I don't give a shit that you can see me through the window. I'm not here, and I'm not answering. You're like, you're going to have to pay me money if you want to sing that. <laughs> That's my thing. I'm like, you don't understand. This is not fun for me. This is torture. If you want me to listen to you sing, then you have to pay me to do it. <laughs> I expect no less than $5 from each one of you. <laughs> oh my God. Emily the Grinch is coming out for blood. <laughs> and then I would take that cash and go shopping on Christmas Eve for my, for my Christmas gifts. <laughs> you and your dad will be out there. Yeah, scouring with all the, the other streets. dads. Yeah, right. I, it'll be me and then five million fathers roaming the streets looking for Christmas presents. Being like, everything is sold out. What do you have left? Right. Oh my gosh. But yeah. Uh, so for me, um, I would say that's a big fat no on Christmas caroling. Has been since the beginning, and I don't think that'll change about me anytime soon. You know what? Fair enough. I don't I, envision I future like Emily I've... loving it either. <laughs> I'm kind of on your side for this one <laughs> because it's just like I've never been on the receiving end of caroling, but I can't imagine it's great. I feel like it would be really awkward, especially if you were like expecting somebody to come over and you're you like excitedly open the door and it's just like people. <laughs> A group of your neighbors. And they just start singing jingle bells. I'd be like. I'm afraid. (laughs) Close the door. (laughs) Like, I don't know what you would do in that situation. It feels hella awkward. Yeah, it would be 100%. Like, hella awkward. But um, that does end our wheel question round. Uh, I will read to you the description of Yule. And then I think you'll be good to share your story. So, cool. Yule, or the Yule time, or Yule season, is a festive, historically observed, or a festive, I've been hanging out with you too much, a festival, (laughs) historically observed by the Germanic peoples. Scholars have connected the original celebrations of Yule to the Wild Hunt, the god Odin, and the pagan Anglo-Saxon Modronite. I think that's how you say that. I... Well, I actually don't think that's how you say it, but uh, I don't know how else to say it. So, later departing from its pagan roots, Yule underwent Christianized reformation, resulting in the term Christmastide. Some present-day Christmas customs and traditions, such as the Yule Log, the Yule Goat, the Yule Boar, Yule Singing, and others may have connections to older pagan Yule traditions. Cognates to Yule are still used in Nordic countries as well as Estonia to describe Christmas and other festivals occurring during the winter holiday season. Today, Yule is celebrated in heathenry and other forms of neo-paganism, such as Wicca, with it being part of their Wheel of the Year and is also observed by Levian Satanists. Satan! Satan is here once again. He's donned his Christmas hat and his Christmas slippers for his hooves, and he is here to party. He's got his hot chocolate, and he's ready for some Yule. He's got some, uh, some lints, and he is ready for to sit in front of the Yule log and hear a story. 
The white birch Yule log. <laughs> Specifically the white birch Yule log. None of the other ones. Specifically. Okay, well, on that note, I shall tell you my story. So, today, Emily, we are going to talk about Ronald Gene Simmons, who was born on July 15th, 1940, in Chicago, Illinois, to Loretta and William Simmons. On January 31st, 1943, William Simmons died of a stroke, and within a year, his mother had remarried to... This time, William D. Griffin, a civil engineer for the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. In 1946, the corps moved Ronald to Little Rock, Arkansas, and for the first of several transfers that would take the family across Arkansas over the next decade. On September 15, 1957, Ronald dropped out of school and joined the U.S. Navy and was first stationed at the Naval Station Birmingham in Washington, where he met Bersabe Rebecca Becky Ilibari, whom he married in New Mexico on July 9, 1960. And over the next 18 years, the couple had several children. In 1963, Ronald left the Navy and approximately two years later joined the U.S. Air Force. During his a uh, 20-year military career, Ronald was awarded a Bronze Star Medal, the Republic of Vietnam Glantry Cross for his service as an airman, and the Air Force Ribbon for excellent marksmanship. Ronald retired from the Air Force and the, and the military service on November 30th, 1979 with the rank of Master Sergeant. So, as a military person, Emily, do you think that that's a impressive or should i not be that impressed it's like it's not like the like biggest most fantabulous thing but it's pretty good he did all right he did he did all right (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's like being a master sergeant sounds impressive to me but i also know nothing about the military yeah the ranking systems are a little bit different but they're also different between like um the different regiments and also canadian and like uh american militaries also use uh different like titles i guess for different ranks so sergeant is pretty much the same um master sergeant if i'm remembering correctly is just kind of like um the rank above sergeant so you still have the role of being a sergeant but you're assigned more responsibilities ah i see well on april 3rd 1981 ronald was being investigated by the cloudcroft new mexico department of human services for allegations that he had fathered a child with his 17-year-old daughter, Shella, or Sheila, whom he had been sexually abusing. Fearing arrest, Ronald fled New Mexico in late 1981 with his family, first to Ward, Arkansas in Lonoco County, and then to Dover, Arkansas in Pope County in the summer of 1983. So, uh, <laughs> our guy Ronald took a real quick 90 degree turn there. Yeah, almost like a a 90 degree turn, like that man who got stuck in the chimney last episode around the <laughs> exactly. 90 degree bend. Exactly. They're, they're both stuck in a tight spot at this point, if you ask mm, me. Yes. Um, the family took up residence on a 13 acre tract of land 6.5 miles north of Dover, that would become knowing as a Mockingbird Hill. 
The residence was constructed of two older mobile homes joined to form one large home. So it's like, you know, these two okay. mobile homes really came together to make one big mobile home. One, a, a long Mega home. mobile home. <laughs> a, a mobile mobile home. A, a mobilia home. A, a long home. A long mobile home. Yes, exactly. Would it be called a mobile home it. home then if it's two stuck together? I, I, I personally like mega mobile home, but that's just me. Me- it's mega mobile now. Super mobile. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate mobility. <laughs> it's like a Pokemon evolution. It, it's just, it's gone from its first evolution to its second one. Exactly. But we're still going. Because neither of which had a telephone nor indoor plumbing. And um, it was surrounded by a makeshift privacy fence, which was uh, high as 10 feet in some places, but not consistently. So just mm. just let that visual sink in. It's got character for sure. For sure. So Ronald worked a string of low paying jobs in a nearby town of russellville arkansas he quit a position as on accounts he quit a position as an accounts receivable clerk at woodline motor fright after numerous reports of inappropriate sexual advances and he went to work at sinclair minimark for an approximately a year and a half before quitting on december 18th 1987 Shortly before Christmas 1987, Ronald decided to kill all the members of his family. Well, that escalated quickly. (laughs) It sure did. Uh, On the morning of December 22nd, he first killed his wife Rebecca and eldest son Jean by shooting them with a .22 caliber pistol, and then he killed his three-year-old granddaughter Barbara by strangulation. Ronald dumped the bodies in the cesspit that he forced his children to dig previously, and Ronald then waited for his other children to return to the house, and after their arrival, he told them that he had presents for them, but wanted that, but wanted to give it to them one at a time. He first killed his daughter, 17-year-old Loretta, whom Ronald strangled and then held under the water in a rain barrel. The other three children... Eddie, Marianne, and Becky were then killed in the same way. So, awesome present, Dad. Yeah, um, I think no matter what, the gifts I find on Christmas Eve will be way better than that. Yeah, no kidding. Around midday on December 26th, the remaining members of the family arrived for their Christmas visit. The first to be killed was Ronald's son, Billy, and his wife, Renetta, who were both shot dead. He then strangled and drowned their 20-month-old son, Trey, and Ronald shot and killed his eldest daughter, Sheila, whom he had sexually abused, and her husband, Dennis McNutty, which is an amazing last name, just as a side You said McNutty? McNutty. I love it. I think it's great. R.I.P. Yes, I love it. And (laughs) I'm very sorry. (laughs) Ronald then strangled his child, who was birthed by his daughter, Sheila, which is disturbing, um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. who was named, or was a seven-year-old named Sylvia Gale, and finally his 21-month-old grandson, Michael. Ronald laid the bodies of his whole family in neat rows in the lounge. 
all the corpses were covered with coats except that of Sheila, who was covered by Rebecca Simmons's best tablecloth. Which is disturbing. Disturbing. That, that, like, particular detail just makes it extra gross. It's like, okay, so your wife, the only person you should be sleeping with, gets a coat, but you're going to give the best tablecloth for your daughter that you had been abusing. That's horrifying. Love that, but not really. The bodies of the two grandsons were wrapped in plastic sheeting and left in an abandoned cars at the end of the lane. After the murders, Ronald went for a drink at a local bar and then he returned to the house and apparently, oblivious to the corpses lined up around him, spent the rest of the evening and the following day drinking beer and watching television. Um, On the morning of December 28th, Ronald drove into Russville, walked into a law office, and killed the receptionist, a young woman named Kathy Kendrick. Ronald had previously been infatuated with her, but she had rejected him. The next, he next went into an oil company where he shot a man named J.D. Chaffin and wounded the owner, Rusty Taylor, and then drove onto a convenience store where he had previously worked, shooting and wounding two more people. Afterwards, Ronald went to the office of the Woodline Motor Freight Company where he shot and wounded a woman And then Ronald simply sat in the office and chatted with one of the secretaries while waiting for the police. When they arrived, Ronald handed over his gun and surrendered without any resistance. I mean, good that he decided to not put up a fight, but also, like, man's just had a hit list. He's like, if I'm killing one of them, I'm killing all of them. And just went, like, shopping. Shopping for blood. (laughs) Truly. He was charged with 16 counts of murder, found guilty, and sentenced to death. He refused to appeal his death sentence, stating, To those who oppose the death penalty, in my particular case, anything short of death would be cruel and unusual punishment. Which just sounds like he really doesn't want to have to sit and think about what he did. Yeah, that to me sounds like he is trying to convince people to give him the easy way out because he doesn't want to have to deal with what he had actually done. He's just anticipating that he will die and not have to suffer the consequences. Which I don't love. No. Don't love that at all. John Bynum successfully prosecuted the case and Ronald was first tried for the Rustfield crimes and a jury convicted him of capital murder and sentenced him to death. He made an additional statement under oath supporting the sentence. He said, I, Ronald Gene Simmons Sr., want it to be known that it is my wish and my desire that absolutely no action by anybody be taken to appeal or in any way change this sentence. It is further respectfully requested that the sentence be expedited. Like immediately. Yeah. Immediately. Yes. Uh, The trial court conducted a hearing concerning Ronald's competence to waive further proceedings and concluded that his decision was knowing and intelligent. Ronald became the subjects of the United States Supreme Court's case Whitmore v. Arkansas when another death row inmate, Jonas Whitmore, attempted unsuccessfully to force an appeal of Ronald's case. While on death row, 
Ronald had been separated from other prisoners as his life was threatened constantly. This was because he refused to appeal his death sentence. The other prisoners believed Ronald was damaging their chances of beating their own death sentences. And on May 31st, Arkansas Governor and later President Bill Clinton signed Ronald's execution warrant. And on June 25th, 1990, he died by the method he had chosen, lethal injection in the Cummins unit. None of his surviving relatives would claim his body, and he was buried in a potter's field. Hmm. Bye, bitch, I guess. But yeah. Honestly, though, I feel like if I was his relative, and he literally murdered a bunch of fucking people, including the child, the incestuous child that he had with yeah, his, like his daughter? Yeah, like, his whole family and, like, all the other extra ugly business. Hell no would I be claiming him. I'd be like, you know what? Whatever happens to his body is whatever ain't the world- is Ain't my problem. It's whatever the universe picked for him. Bye, bitch. Like, I, like, I would wash my hands of that. I know. Like, I would honestly want nothing to do with him either, and so, you know what? I- completely understand where the family is coming from on that one sayonara sinner burn in hell <laughs> exactly that was a not so fun yuletide vibe yeah no um i mean uh, it it it, it I, I was gonna say it was fest it's festive but it's not uh it was a story <laughs> <laughs> it was a story he yes. gave his christmas presents early and it ended horribly yeah, what a nasty man, too, for that whole thing. Make me angry. Um, but uh, with that, I can get into my story today, which uh, it's not positive either, but uh, it is uh, maybe a little bit more lighthearted than yours. Probably a little bit more lighthearted than yours. Um, yours usually are. <laughs> for the most part. Um, but yes, so I will start with a description. So uh, just a small disclaimer, I guess. I'm 99% sure I've covered this previously in a Christmas episode, but I didn't really go into depth about it. So it may sound familiar, but I'm going to be including more details to a story that I don't believe I've touched yet. Um, cool. Just in case it sounds familiar for any of our listeners. So uh, uh, my description for you is the wild hunt is a folklore motif um, that historically occurs in the folklore of various Northern European cultures. Wild hunts typically involve a soul-raving chase led by a mythological figure escorted by a ghostly or supernatural group of hunters passing in wild pursuit. The leader of the hunt is often named a named figure associated with Odin in Germanic legends, but may variously be a historical or legendary figure like Theodoric the Great, the Danish king Valdemar Otterdag, the Welsh psychopomp Gwyn app nud biblical figures such as herod cain gabriel or the devil or an unidentified lost soul or spirit either male or female the hunters are generally the souls of the dead or ghostly dogs sometimes fairies valkyries or elves of course the devil's here i told you again he's got his christmas socks on and a cup full of cheer and he is he is here today he is ready for a story i'll tell you what Ready to party with the Yule Log. Yes, him and the Birch Yule Log are besties. So. <laughs> Truly. With that, I will this, get into my this story. This story does sound vaguely familiar, though. So I'm excited to to hear what you have to tell me. 
Yeah, so I'll be doing a variation of the story. Like I said, I don't believe I've covered this particular variation, but I do think that I've described to you the Wild Hunt before, but I don't believe I've shared this precise story. Like I said, I did my research, I looked into our old episodes, I couldn't quite find the one that I was looking for, so we may not have done it around Christmas time, but either way, we'll see what happens. So, well, take her away, Em. So, to start... When the winter wind blows and the Yule fires are lit, it is best to stay indoors, safely shut away from the dark paths and the wild heaths. Those who wander out by themselves during the Yule nights may suddenly may hear a sudden rustling through the tops of the trees, a rustling that might be the wind, though the rest of the wood is still. But then the barking of dogs fills the air, and the host of wild souls sweep down, fire flashing from the eyes of the black hounds and the hooves of the black horses. So, that's an excerpt from uh, Kvaldolf Hagen Gandarsen, uh, which is, I guess, uh, from, I believe it's the, the book's name is Mountain Thunder, but that may also be his name. I'm quite not, I'm not too sure of the distinction, but. Okay. Either way. So. The form of the wild hunt, or raging host, varied across each of the geographical locations in which the tradition was found, but the basic idea was generally the same. A phantasmal leader, accompanied by a horde of hounds and men, hurtled through the night sky, their passing marked by a tumultuous racket of pounding hooves, howling dogs, and raging winds. The quarry of the spectral horde also varies. Norse legend, for example, suggests the objects such as a boar, a wild horse, and even magical maidens. Later, Christian influences had the wild hunt summoning the souls of evildoers, sinners, and unbaptized infants. Which so I we're really back lo- to the Norse folklore. <laughs> it, well, it's very seasonal, I guess. But yes, uh, but no, my favorite part, though, was that uh, when the Christians decided to stick their nose in this, they decide to paint the image of unbaptized infants flying through the night sky as like evil as evil doers and i was like i i don't I think a flying baby's all that evil i mean i don't personally have a you know <laughs> I, i'm not like i love babies but i still don't think i'd be that afraid of like a, a, a ghostly flying one through the sky oh what are you in for oh i didn't get baptized by my parents so now i'm evil you know i do really want to see that painting though like oh yeah for sure right uh i feel like that would be hilarious and i would hang that in my home oh absolutely so but one theme was common to all of them to see the wild hunt was a very bad omen usually foretelling a time of strife or death before we take consider how the wild hunt was founded we uh should we should also take a look at how the tradition was found in other parts of the world so, at the root of the myth lies the Teutonic god Woden, or Odin. Uh, well, that's like his Norse name. So, Odin, in his guise of wind god, was thought to rush through the skies astride his eight-legged steed, Slepnir, which, if you remember, uh, Slepnir is the child of Loki because he uh, did the deed in horse form and gave birth to his own horse. And now Odin gets to ride his horse, his eight-legged horse grandson through the sky, which is really cool. Um, You know, like super cash. So as it was thought that the souls of the dead were wafted away on this 
on the winds of a storm, Odin became regarded as the leader of all disembodied spirits, the gatherer of the dead. Eventually, storms became associated with his passing. So in this role, he was known as the Wild Huntsman. The passage of his hunt, known as Odin's Hunt, or the Wild Ride, or the Raging Host, or as Asgardria, was, yeah, was said to presage misfortunes such as pestilence, death, or war. So, Odin, followed by the ghosts of the dead, would roam the skies, accompanied by furious winds, lightning, and thunder. To the believers, the tumult must surely have been evidence of the gods' passing. Throughout the years, the mythology of the hunt adapted to suit the geographical area and the time period. In the Middle Ages, for example, the lead huntsmen included Charlemagne, Frederick Barbosa, and King Arthur. A later folktale states that the leader was Hans von Henkelberg, a semi-historical figure who died in either 1521 or 1581. Uh, it was said he had slain a boar and then was injured on the foot by the boar's tusk and died of poisoning. As he died, he declared that he had no wish to enter heaven, but instead wanted to hunt. His wish was granted, and he was permitted, or perhaps cursed, to hunt in the night sky. Another version of the tale is that he was condemned to lead the wild hunt as punishment for his sins. But even behind the 16th century character lies a more ancient element, perhaps harking back to the original traditions surrounding the hunt. Hankelberg, or Hankelberg, as it has been suggested, is simply a corruption of Hankelberand, an old Saxon epithet, epithet for Woden, which is also Odin. Uh, the traditions of the wild hunt also exist in areas away from Norse influence. In Wales, for example, the leader of the hunt was Gwyn ap Nud, the Lord of the Dead, and Gwyn ap Nud was followed by his pack of white hounds with blood-red ears. These red-eared hounds were also found in northern England, where they were known as Gabriel Hounds. Their appearance was also a port portent of doom. In southern England, it was Hearn the Hunter who led the hunt, while elsewhere it was referred to as Hurlething, from the mythical King Hurla, its supposed leader. And according to the 12th century rite Walter Mapp, this household of Hurlathingus, that's his literal name, by the way, was... <laughs> of course it is. Hurlathingus was last seen in the marches of Wales and Hereford in the first year of the reign of Henry II about noonday. They traveled as we do, with carts and sumpter horses, pack saddles and panniers, hawks and hounds, and a concourse of men and women. Those who saw them first raised the whole country against them with horns and shouts, and because they were unable to bring word from them addressing them, made ready to extort an answer with their weapons. They, however, rose up into the air and vanished on a sudden. Again, this may have Odinic connections. Some suggest the element Hurl relates to Harion, one of Odin's many names, and refers particularly to his role as the leader of the dead warriors who fill the Hall of Heroes, Valhalla. That, that this Hurla, or Hurl, may have a distinct root is evident from the number of simple, similar variants. In the year 1123, for example, it was referred to as the Familia Hurlicini by Ordicus, or, 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 <laughs> I, I tried rehearsing this, I really did, Ordicus, Ordericus, Vitalis. In France, it was La Mesnie Herlequin, while in England, we find Militus Herlewini. Or, uh, a place named Orkney had its own variant of the Wild Hunt, in which fairies or trows were on occasion seen out on midnight rides, galloping furiously through the air on white horses or bull wands. 
they were often said to be seen driving a stolen cow before them. Which, I mean, if I was a mythical creature, that's how I would get around. I would just steal a cow and just take Betsy for a rip. Honestly, that that does sound pretty rad. Like, I would probably be okay with that. Like, in that scenario, I would be okay with being a part of the hunt. Right? You'd be like, okay, guys, listen. Uh, I've died. Uh, I'm not in heaven. But what I will offer you is uh, my place (laughs) in the hunt. As long as I get a cow to ride into battle, that is my condition. Uh, I will not be taking any questions or negotiations. Thank you very much. Exactly. So, to finish my little excerpt here for you guys, across Europe, the wild hunt appears at various times of the year, but most commonly over the Yule season. This is not surprising, as Yule was regarded as the season in which supernatural visitations were the most common. In particular, the spirits of the dead were allowed to return at Yuletide. And that is my story for you. Well, it sounds like a super spooky Christmas activity. Of course, the spookiest. See, I like, though, that um, there's all these different adaptations of the same story, but still it's usually led by somebody who's got a streak for war, and uh, they've got, like, spooky dogs and people <laughs> riding into battle. You know, I'll, I'll take it. It sounds like fun. You know, it's always spooky dogs and never spooky cats. It is always spooky dogs. See, I feel like cats are just spooky enough on their own <laughs> that people were like, we don't, we don't need to add anything extra to them. They already look <laughs> at me like they can see a ghost behind my head all the time. We don't need any more. That's enough from them. Yeah, right? Uh, yeah, well, since it's the end of our episode, is there anything you'd like to you'd like to add to the the this Yule Tide episode? I think that's about it from me. I hope everyone has a super happy holiday season, whatever you celebrate, or if you don't, that's cool too. Hope you just get fucked up with some chocolate, regardless. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And you're like, and that is it. Um, Yeah, I'll uh, get into our end credits here and then we'll let you guys go for for the holidays. So uh, if you really like today's episode or any of our episodes, you can leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us with with charting and uh, all that fun stuff. If you would like to see more about us and learn who we are, uh, we have our website, which is www.wheelofcrime.com. Um, if you would like to keep up to date with what we're doing and, uh, just that whole business, we have a Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and a TikTok all at Wheel of Crime. Uh, say you want to support us financially and give us the Christmas gift of your support. Uh, you can visit us on Patreon at Wheel of Crime and, uh... Ooh, there's a there's another one I usually say. It's the email. If you would like to, to email us and say literally anything literally anything it is wheelofcrime at gmail.com yes. and that is it um and as a reminder to all of our lovely re- listeners we will be taking the next two weeks off the last two weeks of december and we will be returning to you with another brand new episode on friday january 7th 2022 holy fuck that's not a real year but it is i know a whole new year we'll see you guys next year i guess (laughs) i'll see you next year bye bye